A listener named Lynn wrote in and she said, I'm facing a repetitive problem in my dispatch department that makes me want to pull my hair out because it's so frustrating. Just like clockwork, I think the problem is solved and before I know it, the same problem becomes an issue again. We've tried everything to fix this problem. It's been going on for so long, I feel like we've been addressing symptoms rather than the real problem. Brian, how do you figure out the root cause of a problem you face? Well, Lynn, I'll answer your question in just a moment. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So the greatest diagnosis tool I know of to get to a root problem or to learn core behaviors for a person or a group of people is to gently but firmly ask the question, why? But not just once. In fact, the technique we're going to talk about today is specifically called the five whys. And as you could probably guess, it's because you ask five questions that begin with the word why. And I'm going to give you an example of how it works, and then we'll kind of break down um, the details. But here's a conversation I had with a business owner. I was working with this business owner who stated that the company needed to hire a manager. But the cost of the new manager's salary was going to be more expensive than the business owner was comfortable committing to at the time. It was a small company. They had uh, maybe 10 or 12 employees probably. So bringing on another manager was going to be a pretty big expense. Um, And they weren't, you know, she wasn't confident that this is something that they could comfortably afford. So I was asked to help the business owner figure out how to generate the revenue necessary to fund the new position. So the stated problem I was given was I need a manager, and I'm not sure I can afford the costs associated with that. I need to figure out how to make more money. So here's a snapshot of our five why conversation. So I started out by just asking the most obvious question, why do you need the manager? And the answer was, because I don't have time to to get to the tasks the manager is going to do. All right. My next question was, what kinds of things are you going to ask this new manager to do? And the answer was a very, uh, a list of very basic tasks that you would not normally equate with needing a person with a title of manager to do. These are pretty basic things like, you know, ordering materials and just, it was basic stuff. doesn't matter what it was. So my response was, those are pretty basic tasks. Why do you need a manager to do those basic tasks? And the answer was, I need to make sure they get done correctly. Okay. My next question, if you can maybe guess by now, Why aren't these simple tasks being done correctly now? So this is the point in in this particular conversation where I begin to notice some deflection tactics, uh, which is common. We'll get into that in a little bit here later. Uh, But the business owner I was working with began giving pretty evasive answers, like um, things like, they just don't get done correctly. And I don't know, they just don't. And it 
we were at the point in this kind of diagnosis process where it gets uncomfortable. And again, we'll talk about that more later on. But I essentially was asking the same question over and over with different approaches and different phrases. And I was getting these things like, I don't know. They just don't get done properly. I don't know why they don't get done properly. Just, they just, it's just the way it is. And this is the point in which most people stop pressing and asking these why questions because it gets increasingly uncomfortable to get through this part of the conversation, both for the person asking and for the person being asked. And sometimes if you're asking yourself these questions, which we'll get into that also, uh, this this is where it's easy for us to give ourselves uh, justifications, not answers. Uh, we'll talk about more about that uh, maybe next week. But this is the point where real discovery happens. This is where we really learn what is going on and what the real crux of the problem is. We learn the root cause through this process, and it's and it's uh, it's not always fun. Uh, we we do a good job as human beings of of hiding things that make us uncomfortable. We hide things that we don't want to face. And so this is a process for process-related things like we're talking about this week and also behavioral things we'll get into next week. But eventually with this business owner, we got past this uh, phase, this deflectionary phase and the I don't know, they just don't um, answers. And eventually we got to the honest answer of, which was blurted out in a mixture of frustration and relief and maybe even anger and maybe sadness and all a whole bunch of emotions. The answer was blurted out. It's because I can't hold anybody accountable. Now, this is not a comfortable problem for a business owner to admit, uh, which is, you know, understandable, but it's not, it's anything but rare. Any business owner understands what that's like. So we were able to continue on having gotten through that uncomfortable part. But we had to continue because we we weren't to the root cause yet. So my next question again, why can't you hold anyone accountable? And again, having gotten through the fear of being exposed and being vulnerable, the business owner was now at ease. I didn't like attack this person for, you know, saying, what do you mean you can't hold anybody accountable? I, I completely understand that. But that vulnerability, we'd kind of crossed the vulnerability bridge, if you will. And we were able to have a conversation now with that, that fear of being exposed. We were past that. So now it was much easier for this business owner to really start talking in plain language and not have that reservation of, of, you know, holding things back. And the answer, uh, why can't you hold anyone accountable was because I don't have time to hire anyone. So we're always buried. And since we're always behind our obligations to our customers, we don't have time for any training. So in this case, the root cause of the problem was twofold. First, the business owner was having a hard time finding time to hire and to find qualified people, which led to an inability or unwillingness to hold the employees accountable for doing a good job out of fear that they would leave. So I'm not going to hold people accountable out of fear they're going to leave the company. I'm already shorthanded. Like if the worst thing that can happen is if somebody else left. Now we're just in a worse situation. And you know this probably sounds familiar to some of you, you know, some of you folks listening. The second problem in this case, was that the business owner had not committed any significant time to properly train the employees to do the basic tasks correctly. So the Band-Aid, not a solution, the Band-Aid was to hire somebody else to do all the stuff that we weren't going to train the employees to do. So for this business owner, we had two starting places, neither of which involved hiring a new manager. One was related to hiring. You know, if you're in a sinking boat, you stop the leak first, and then you start bailing water if, you, if the boat's sinking. Now, if the boat's just taking on a little bit of water, you bail water and you fix the leak when you get back to shore. 
But if the boat's sinking, you're fixing a leak first, and then you're bailing water. So in this case, with the business owner, we had to we had to solve the problem of hiring. We had to carve out time to hire. We had to create a good market a uh, 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 hiring strategy, which included you know marketing the jobs that were available and things like that. And the other one was related to training. You just can't hold people accountable to perform tasks and processes you've not educated them about or trained them on. Period. And this is something we all know. We we try sometimes. We try to, you know, jump to the, the holding accountable part before we do the training first sometimes. Um, but it's not a reasonable approach. We all know that objectively sitting back, not in the in the thick of a situation. We can all see that. So for this particular business owner, again, it was we had two starting places. One was hiring, one was training. Neither of which involved hiring this expensive manager that again, the, the problem that I was posed, you know, given was how do I make more revenue? to uh, afford this manager I got to hire. Well, the, the, where we ended up was nowhere near that. And that's the beauty of the 5Y approach. It's a fantastic tool because it takes you to the heart of the issue, which is oftentimes not where you think it's going to go. Because we do these things, we, we, we do a good job of burying and hiding you know, things that we don't like talking about. You know? And we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit also. So it's a fantastic tool when we remember to use it. Now, this is one of the hardest parts in the moment, it's it's not always easy. In fact, it's rarely easy to remember to do this until you kind of become fluent in it, until it becomes kind of second nature. One of the hardest things about this 5Y approach is remembering to use it in the moment. So, uh, you know, that just takes practice. You know, and, but after you've been doing it for a few months or especially after a few years— it just becomes second nature. Like you don't even think about doing anything else because this is such an effective, efficient tool to get to the heart of an issue. Um, it was developed, you know, again, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about, you know, quality and process improvement. It was developed in those kinds of circles. Lots of manufacturing and other kinds of industries use it for, you know, how do we get our parts, our errors per million or defects per million from 12 down to six? You know, those kinds of conversations, a lot of times we, you know, there's five why uh, conversations that that happen there. So it can be, as I mentioned earlier, it can be used to diagnose process-related issues like we're talking about today. And it can be used to, to learn our employees' behavioral drivers, which we'll get into next week. And that's really helpful with things like hiring and getting compliance and stuff like that. So um, one of the reasons this is such a great tool is we tend to, as humans, we tend to speak at the most superficial level, which allows us to move on to the next thing. So I'll give you an example. Uh, countless times a week, probably this happens to you. Somebody asked, how are you doing today? Now, you could have just had a, excuse me, you could have just had an argument with your spouse that morning. You could have had a hard time getting the kids to school. You could have had a number of things happen that when they ask you, how are you doing today? You don't even get into this stuff. You just say, I'm doing great. And you move on. Now, if you had a flat tire, you would say, well, I had a crummy morning. I had a flat tire. But that's not, a, that's not an emotional thing. If you had a fight with your spouse or you had an argument with your teenage kid or something like that, you're not going to get into that stuff with folks. And that's just how, how, how we're wired. So this is a great tool to kind of peel the onion and get down to the root cause things, which we naturally kind of avoid or deflect from. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being exposed. And that that not only... Um, applies for our personality, our holding our, you know, being uh, careful with not being um, exposed and vulnerable personally. It also applies 
in shortcomings, like in this case, the example I gave, the business owner knew that they were not doing a good job training. They knew they needed to hire more people. They didn't want to talk about that. They wanted to hire somebody. <laughs> they wanted to hire a manager to take care of these things. So that's, you know, this is just how we are. So that's why it's a great tool um, to get to the bottom of these things. So, but one of the things is we have to be super cautious with this approach. And the disclaimer I always give, no matter what, under no circumstances should you try this on your spouse or significant other. That is a recipe for disaster. So just don't even, don't even think about doing that. And you got to be really careful. And I recommend that people get familiar with this approach, the five Y technique on processes and get comfortable with it there way before you get into the behavioral stuff, which we'll talk about next week. So, you have to be cautious because you're going to get into uncomfortable parts of the conversation and people have to trust that you're you're looking for solutions. You're not looking to find somebody to blame. And that's really important. So the first thing you have to do is set the table up front for honest, forthcoming answers. So in the case I gave you earlier, one of the things, I don't remember the specifics of this part because I, I didn't make notes of this afterwards, but um, the conversation I had, one of the things I would have had to do is get permission, is okay if I ask you some questions about why we're doing this? If the answer is no, then there's no point in moving on with that. You know, and then I would have to go into a little bit of, of work on establishing what's the purpose of this. The purpose is not to, to point fingers and blame this person. The point is to find a solution and make sure we're finding the right solution, make sure we're addressing the problem, not a symptom. So that kind of stuff has to be done upfront. You have to set the table for honest, forthcoming answers because if people lie to you, then this is all just a waste of time. Uh, you can ask all the questions you want. If, if nobody's going to be honest with you, then it's just, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just, it's a complete waste of time to do that. So we have to have honest, forthcoming, meaning they're going to volunteer information, not have to, not have to, uh, you know, not, not for us to figure out when they're omitting things or whatever. They have to be honest and forthcoming. And we have to establish we're looking for solutions and we're trying to find a solution to the problem, not trying to find a person to blame. There's a massive distinction there. And especially when you're talking to employees about, hey, why are we having this problem in our dispatch department? They are generally going to default to thinking you're looking for somebody to blame. It's really critical that we we work hard to establish that it's more important for me to figure out the solution than whose fault it is. And that's a that's a critical part of this. So we also have to be gentle, understanding we're going to get into increasingly uncomfortable conversation as we get to the heart of the issue, but we have to be firm and not back off and give up either. So as you know, when we got to the part of the conversation I mentioned earlier, where all these deflection tactics are going to be used, you'll hear things like laughter. Uh, people will, will have, you know, very uncomfortable laughter will be a deflection technique saying, I don't know over again, or just because those are the kinds of answers where people are really trying hard to deflect and it's easy just to kind of give up at that point and say, well, we, you know, we tried and move on. But we're right on the cusp of actually the discovery we're looking for when we hit that point. So that's the critical point where it's important to pay attention to tone, body language, both the person we're asking, but also our own. Is my tone and body language one in which I'm, I'm um, kind of a palms up? Palms up, I, I call it the palms up approach. I'm here to help. My palms are literally up. I can't be angry in this posture. I want to make sure people understand. I might have to, you know, confirm a couple times. My goal here is to find a solution and and you know make sure we're not feeling, uh, facing the same problem again in six months or whatever. I'm not trying to find somebody to blame. 
So those things are really important as we get into the uncomfortable part of the conversation. They have to trust that you're you're in this to help them find a solution, and, and you know that you're not just looking for somebody to scapegoat. Um, they need to be able to get through the discomfort with a the desire to continue. That's key. That they want to continue this process. If they just get mad or sad or feel like they're being attacked and they just shut down, then we then again it's a it's an all, all been for naught. In fact, we might be, create a worse problem if they shut down because now it's gonna be that much harder to have this conversation again next time. So we have to work really hard to balance our way through being gentle and understanding this is going to be really uncomfortable in some cases, but also being firm and like, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to find a solution. Um, the, the answer to each why question is generally the foundation for the next why question. So you can go back and play this again if you want, and you'll hear how the answers were. That was the foundation for the next why question in most cases. There's a few exceptions, there, and you'll hear that as you as you listen back again to this if you choose to. Not every single time is it going to be a why question, but I think in that case, I asked around eight questions and probably five of them or so were why questions. There might've been a couple others in there, but we're peeling the onion. We're removing a layer and each layer we go is more vulnerable. The person is more vulnerable. They're more like, they're more going to feel like they're being exposed. So each layer, we have to work harder and harder to make sure we're establishing that I'm looking for a solution. I'm not looking for somebody to blame. So the first Step on this whole thing, though, as I mentioned earlier, is remembering to use it, which is hard. There'll be a number of times if you try, if you decide you want to use this technique, which I recommend. I think it's a fantastic tool. There'll be a number of times where five minutes or an hour or three days after something happens, you go, oh, man, that was a great opportunity for me to use this 5Y thing. So the, the first step is remembering um, to use it. So next week, we're going to go over why why it's useful to use this tool for uh, learning behavioral patterns, you know, like in interviews, undesirable behavioral patterns or unproductive, uh, you know, levels of commitment to company needs or following processes, poor decision-making, all that kind of stuff. We'll get into how the five whys helps in behavioral stuff next week. But for this week, we're talking processes. So again, we got to remember to use it and we have to be cautious and under no circumstances, try this with your spouse. Under any circumstances, uh, do not try this with your spouse for sure. Um, before we start asking these questions, we have to set the table for honest, forthcoming answers. We have to commit to finding a solution, not finding a person to blame. And we have to get the person we're asking the questions to, but to get them to understand and believe that. If they don't believe that we're looking for solutions to a problem, instead of a person to blame, they're going to shut down. That's just the way it is. Or they're going to not tell the truth. They might, and they might just overtly lie or they might omit significant pieces of the of the puzzle. So we have to have that commitment that we're finding a solution, not a person to blame. We have to be gentle but firm. It's going to be increasingly more difficult as we get to the heart of the problem. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, in the case I'm talking about earlier, you know, when I ask a question like, um, you know, what are the, what are the kinds of things your manager is going to do? And and uh, those are pretty basic. Why do you need a manager to do those? The, the answer was, I need to make sure they're done correctly. Well, that's a pretty easy question. Well, when you get into, well, why aren't they being done now? You get into the difficult thing, which is, I'm not doing enough training. We're buried. I'm not able to hire. Like These are, these are things that are more um, deep-rooted, and they're things that we don't want to talk about as much. So um, deflection tactics are going to be super identifiable. Uh, you can see them coming a mile away. Laughter, I don't know, just because... Tone and body, they'll be fidgeting, they'll be scratching, they'll be 
all kinds of body language that will tell you this person is getting more and more uncomfortable. And again, the key is to get through that discomfort with them having a desire to continue. Now, sometimes we're asking ourselves these questions like, hmm, I'm having the same problem over and over with my dispatch department. Why is that the case? Well, sometimes the answer is because I don't really want to take on the real problem because I'm going to make an employee uncomfortable or I've got somebody in there who's, it's just, I'd rather appease them than take on, you know, fight the battle today. Those things are going to happen. Those conversations are going to happen with ourselves. And we have to be honest with ourselves as well. So, and again, the, the answer to each why question is generally the foundation for the next question. You're, you just keep going and going and going until you get to the root of the problem. So that's it for this week. Um, I hope that's helpful for you diagnosing. Uh, again, we're talking process-related stuff this week. The five why is a fantastic tool. Uh, once you become fluent in it, I'm telling you, you will use it all the time. And it's really, really helpful. It really helps you cut to the chase on things and not spin your wheels addressing symptoms. It's a, it's a wonderful tool if you use it right. Now, I will be cautious you know, or warn you if you don't use it right and you just have your, you're sitting back in your desk with your arms folded and you go, why are you doing that? Well, why are you doing that? Well, why are you doing that? <laughs> you can definitely create way more problems than you're solving. Tone, posture, body language, communicating intent, getting people to commit to, to helping solve a problem, all those things are critical of this. If you if you're just that, if you just take the 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 rapid approach and you don't set the table, you don't establish your intent, you don't do all those things, you definitely can create more problems than you are solving because they're just going to feel attacked. So uh, again, I hope that's helpful. Um, if if you haven't yet, um, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. Again, we work I work with folks who are business owners in service industries, meaning. You sell services, primarily not products. Um, That's, you know, contractors, obviously, auto repair shops, CPA firms, IT service providers, janitorial, um, home service providers, like carpet cleaners and roofing companies, all all that kind of stuff. So if you know somebody who's a a business owner in one of those industries or something similar to that, please share this with them. Uh, If you have time, uh, give us a rating or review. If you can spare a couple minutes for that, that would be fantastic. Sure appreciate that. And, uh, That's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week.